Oh, man. I'm glad to be not working. Uh, really, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you, Andrew. Uh, this last couple weeks has made me really question uh, whether working my job, I, I should keep doing it. Thinking of and getting something else, doing something else. Oh, interesting. I'll be honest. I mean, we are living in the wildest and craziest times, so your your um, mindset is is not uh, unwarranted. Well, some people might think I'm I'm fucking crazy because you know some a lot of people don't have jobs, and I and and, and I get it, you know. But um, I work in this. You could say I work in the service industry. I I I I, right. You know provide soda for people uh and you guys drink a lot of soda and you know the stores are continuing to uh push us um to to keep things in stock and we can't do it can't keep up with the people it's 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 getting very stressful for me so i well what i think a lot of people don't know or realize is that while other people haven't been working a lot of people haven't been working there have been people who have been working you know consistently throughout all of these months that the pandemic is happening yeah. and all the other things that are happening, there are people who, you know, and we, not only did their lives continue yeah. in terms of working, but like, if anything, it just got even more stressful. It got more stressful, more not only because cumbersome. of the workload, but, you know, all the stress that living, having to live in this pandemic thing that it gets put on us. Whether I feel, I mean, honestly, at first, sure, I was maybe a little stressed out about getting sick, but... as everyone yeah sure but honestly i've gotten past that and i'm at a point where um i'm more just trying to get it get through the day because you know you know and i'm not saying that it's not warranted warranted to to feel that way to feel like you you don't want to get sick nobody wants to get sick but i just my day i have been working through this for three months and i'm fine and at this point i just wish people would calm the fuck down (laughs) you know Sadly, I mean, it's only revving up and getting, it's getting worse, worse again. and things yeah. are changing. And, and I mean, we we talked about this months ago on this podcast, yeah. you know, Cinema Discovery yeah. Project, for those of you listening. Um, we talked about, you know, where would things be by this point? And it's kind of a lot of the same. It's, when we thought I mean, things were getting better and now it's, you know, people have opened back up and now apparently cases are going up again and now it looks like things are about to get, we're about to go back two steps. Um, right. And I, I was even referencing even before we started, uh, you know, the shutdowns and all yeah. that stuff when we came on here and we're like, I mean, are they going to push, are they going to, you know, cancel movies yeah. and push movie dates and, and are people going to be able to leave their house and what's going to happen and, like we were like and then in our minds i think we were like okay maybe by june uh you know things would be better you know the summer movie season we would still get that or or whatever um that's not the case things are still the same and in some places worse so it's like it it, it's it's a it's a it's an odd year it's a very odd stressful weird year on so many different fronts and it just even gets more odd and more weird because life still keeps going on oh, yeah. while all of this is happening, and I guess it's not the best way to transition. Say, but we're um, starting off very dour, though. The, dark. Uh, you know, the, very though dark. this movie that we're going to talk about today, you know, on this, I'm Stephen Billings. This is Andrew Cabral, Cinema Discovery Project. Right. Um, we are going to be talking about a kind of a sad movie today, but so I guess we're just setting the mood. We're just <laughs> right, really. If it's, it's a contemplatively dramatic, you know, uh, film uh, that honestly, it you know. 
we'll get into it, but it's it, there's stuff that's in it that that can be translated directly to today. In I was going to say, respects. though this movie came out in 1955, I think that you could, you know, repackage this and it would and say, hey, this came out five years ago, and it would yeah, feel it so feels like it doesn't feel old at all. Yeah. yeah, life continues onward, you know, you know, no matter yeah. what, and and saying that, I mean, like we've had two. I would say rather significant, you know, celebrity movie world, uh, you know, deaths in the last couple of weeks. One being, I probably someone many people know if you've been around for the last thirty years, uh, Joel Schumacher, yep. the director of uh, uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, but of course he directed Lost Boys, which is still a staple amongst you know yeah. horror fans. And it's honestly, it's kind of one of those essential horror films. I think for people trying to get into the genre, I would say that's one it's that you have to watch. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, when it comes to vampire films, uh, it's one yes. that I think people usually say, Hey, go, go to that one. Um, but yeah, you had to bring up the Batman movies, the ones he's notorious for, though they are not great movies. Um, oh, come true. on, man. Why would I you mean, do that? to I, him? You start, I saw you the, start out with well, those, Tigerland. Those are, <laughs> those are <laughs> those are his I mean I would say his more mainstream sure. like movies that he's known for uh granted you're right it's not it's not the height of his filmography for several reasons but a lot of people like them I saw Batman Forever in the theater back in 95 I saw Batman and Robin in the theater in 97 that's how I was introduced to Joel Schumacher and of course years later I would watch you know his other more reputable films joking aside I, I do somewhat as a guilty pleasure enjoy Batman forever um, mm. probably mostly for Jim Carrey uh, right. but um, yes he has tons of other movies uh, and some some good ones uh, he did did he direct the firm? With Tom Cruise? Uh, no. Or, no, no, no. What? No, that was uh, Sidney Pollack. Yeah, I think I you're right. Say? Yeah, he did do a Time to Kill, which I love. Yes, uh, with uh, Matthew McConaughey, Sam Jackson. It's a good courtroom drama. Sa- uh, Sandra Bullock, yeah, a, yeah. a Grissom novel. Um, yep. Uh, he, he also directed, um, as I said, uh, Falling Down. Ooh, Falling with, Down's um, good. Michael yeah. Douglas, yeah. Flatliners, which is that, honestly that, that's a culty movie. It, it's it's a culty movie. Cool concept. Very cool concept. Cool, I don't know if concept. it was necessarily all worked. Um, the idea right. is great, but I don't think the movie itself yeah, was right. yeah. all. But it, you know, once again, Kiefer Sutherland. You know, talk about early yeah. cast. I mean, our early big name cast that would then on to be go on to be even more famous. Uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah. Kevin Bacon. Oliver Platt is in the film as well. Uh, yeah, it came out in nineteen ninety. So yeah, early career. He had a lot of mainstay people. people. Um, mm. You know. Um, you know, Kiefer Sutherland and uh, you said Oliver Platt, yes. uh, Pratt, and, and you know, a lot of guys that would keep keep working with him over the years. And he actually, one thing he he's really known for is is he I get I mean he's he started out as a costume designer from what I understand. So right. he's very yeah. much attention to details. And and um, f- there's a couple stories I've heard recently um, since his death that you know apparently he was really good at. I guess kind of introducing people, you know, he introduced us to Colin Farrell with Tigerland, um, you know, so he gave him that shot to lead that movie. And then also, you know, going back to Batman and Robin or Batman Forever, the Seal song. Oh, <laughs> that, yeah. That Kiss from a Rose. I watched that video. Um, I saw a video yeah. Seal posted, um, and he was talking about how this song was dead in the water. Like, that song didn't even, was it, it was, you know, he'd done the album, and it was the last single in the album, and then it did nothing, it was gone. And then, Joel Schubacher needed a song for the love scene in Batman Forever. 
And he called him up and said, you know, that his his agent told him, hey, use Kiss from a Rose. You know, and then that song is now like super popular song. Yeah. Coincidentally, he didn't use it for the love scene. Well, yeah, movie, he did. Yeah. But he liked the song enough. He's like, I'm going to use it. Yeah, in he's like, I'll just put it in a credit. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you said that that's that that song was on his second album and it was a, it. It didn't, it didn't chart very high, yeah. and it was kind of gone within a little while. So that kind of revived that song, which is now like pop oh, it's, culture yeah, it's iconic. Like, it's, honestly, it's people the only Seal song I can think of. karaoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people are singing it like all the time now. Yeah, I love that song. I mean, that, that launched uh, you know Seal's career, um, and now we know him because of that. But he also did movies like 8mm with the, the great oh, Nicolas dude, Cage. Yeah. That movie is dark, it's dark as, fuck. as all heck. Oh my goodness! And he did phone booth, which I also another saw another Kiefer in the Sutherland movie. Colin Farrell. And Colin Farrell, yeah, is it? Well, Kiefer Sutherland and, plays um, the, the sniper. Yes, yeah. he does. And you don't really—I mean, it's not really—it's kind of a spoiler. You don't really see him throughout the until movie until the very end. Um, until yeah. the very end. Um, but he also did Phantom of the Opera, which yeah, I know a lot of people, people like. Don't like that movie, but live action adaptation of that. The number twenty-three is an early, early DVD purchase from me. This came out in 2007, so I probably bought the DVD back then. I've since, I mean, unknowingly gotten rid of the DVD. I probably traded it in at one point. But that was the movie with Jim Carrey, coincidentally again. Not not great. And it's about him, like, he got this conspiracy theory about the number 23 and how it's like a key to everything. It's a dark, another dark movie. Um, But yeah, you're right. Not, not, he he had some stinkers, but he also had a lot of, a lot of good ones in there. Diverse, diverse filmography. Um, you know, from what I understand, a good guy. Um, and, yeah, he passed away at 80, I believe, battling cancer yeah. for about a year, I heard, which is very sad. Uh, but the other death um, is uh, the actor Ian Holm. And many people probably know him as uh, being in Alien. Yeah, oh, yes, Scott's of Alien. Um, and, 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 of that course, Bilbo be... Baggins in Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's right. That's that was my introduction yeah, yeah, yeah. to him. Was of course Fellowship of the Ring. Ian Holm. I remember as a kid. This is early two thousands. We didn't have like sites like IMDb or things like that. And I would just be like on the Lord of the Rings dot net website, yeah. just like looking at all the cast biographies because I didn't know any of these people. And I just and I remember Ian Holm. Of course, he was in the he was in the Fellowship of the Ring. But of course, he's had a long career. One hundred thirty seven credits to his name on IMDb. Uh, people probably also know him for his Oscar-nominated performance in *Chariots of Fire*, which is a film that won Best Picture in 1981. Um, I mean, he's a British yeah. actor. He probably did. A, he's yeah. mostly done, I think, British British films, um, especially British early TV. on in his career. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's great actor. Once again, also, a, I mean, he's a very diverse himself. Um, I mean, you know, going from playing a uh, uh, a killer robot, you know, an alien. Um, you know, Android, but yeah, right. Android, which star, sorry, uh, nerd. Uh, sorry, I didn't say his right, the right name. Uh, yeah, Ash. Yeah, um, I was, oh, I almost said Bishop, but but that's Lance Henriksen in Aliens. Yeah, that's 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 the Android in that movie. But yeah, um, check out his filmography. It's very wide. He was also in Brazil, Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Um, yeah, a long career. Lots of diverse stuff, lots of television, lots of feature films. He was also in Naked Lunch. Oh, yeah. Um, A Cronenberg movie. Cronenberg's film. Yeah. So, yeah, he passed away, unfortunately. And like we said, you know, life life is seemingly going on while all this other stuff is happening as well. 
And speaking of life, we're getting into a slice of life movie. Pretty I much. guess, yeah. I mean, you could say because it is about the character or the person of the title of the film, Marty. Marty, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. All your kid brothers and sisters married and got children. When are you going to get married? You know a nice place where we can go to get a bride? Tell them to go to the Stardust Ballroom. It's loaded with tomatoes. Why don't you go to the Stardust Ballroom? It's loaded with tomatoes. It's loaded with what? Tomatoes. Excuse me, miss. Would you care to dance? You're a very nice guy. I don't know why some girl hasn't grabbed you off long ago. All my brothers, they're always telling me what a good-hearted guy I am. I have a feeling about you. What are you going to do if Marty gets married? Huh? I don't like her. Oh, you don't like her. You only met her for two minutes. Listen, you want to come with me tonight or you want to go with that dog? All I know is I had a good time last night. What am I, crazy or something? I got something good here. You don't like her. That's too bad. And Marty is a film that came out in 1955, um, starring the late Ernest Borgnine. And it's a film that I saw several years ago, and I've just loved it ever since. Um, for those of you who didn't listen for the last 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 week's episode or last the last episode, this is basically my pick. Stephen and I are kind of trading off on yeah. We you know, we, we we choose choose a movie to talk about each week. Sometimes, hopefully, you know, picking something that the other person hasn't seen. But you know. Right. I, I, honestly, not, I'm going off mobile. of gut feelings of like what feels good to talk about, like what what's going to excite me to to talk about the next episode. Because right. sometimes, and I kind of it was an impromptu pick by me that I decided during the and show. it's a good <laughs> and, and it's a good one, do. yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> it's a good one. It, this is a um, I would say a critically acclaimed film. It won um, four Academy Awards, Academy Award for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, it won director um, and actor best and actress, director, best actor. And best screenplay, mm. and that's important, I think, because specifically about the person who wrote the screenplay for this film, and that is Patty Chayefsky. Mm-hmm. And Patty Chayefsky is an incredible uh, screen uh, screenplay writer, um, and he's so he's someone that like people study in film schools um, just to learn the craft of a film of you know screenwriting. And he specifically wrote uh, Network, which is. I think the one that yeah. I think a lot of people kind of gravitate towards because that's the film that I that I love a lot, and it's a film that I think is also extremely current yeah. in its in its um, portrayal of life, yeah. if you will, or what, what it's delving into. And but he was also, I believe, a playwright as well. Um, I should probably look this up without <laughs> you know making shit up as I go along. The whole um, Indiana Jones thing. But this, uh, the, yeah, he. Go ahead. Yeah, I was say he. Yeah, he. He had a very long career um, that spanned it all the way to from 1944 to 1980, and yeah, he had a lot of great, great works. And you can look up his his filmography, look up his work, his stage plays. Um, that's what I was saying. Yeah, he was a. Yeah, I did say playwright. Yeah. So technically, I was right. Um, but what is also interesting is that Marty is an adaptation of a teleplay yeah. written by Patty Chayefsky. Yeah, yeah. He, and, and, and honestly, this adaptation apparently is not much different. They flesh out some stuff. It's about 30 minutes longer than that, that teleplay. Um, yeah, the teleplay runs like 51 yeah. minutes, and this movie is... Hour and a half. 
an hour yeah. and a half. Yeah, ninety minutes. Yeah, and um, and that's with credits. Yeah, so not exactly long. So that some um, one of the other great accolades about this movie is that it's one of the few movies that's uh, one can and also one best picture. Mm, um, yeah, the only other movies that have done it uh, is The Lost Weekend and just recently Amazing. Parasite. Yes, yes, it did. So. Um, and it's also prefer it's also preserved in the national. Uh, the Library of Congress National Film Registry. So it's preserved forever, yep. which is kind of great. Um, it's been deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. That's a quote I'm reading. In 19, and that was, it was put in there in 1994. But the teleplay, like I said, ran 51 minutes. And for those of you not familiar what, what, what with, uh, familiar with what a teleplay is, um, Basically, it's a tele- televised play. <laughs> it's a tele where it would basically be like performing a play on television. Usually, it would be like live live action. Yeah, we, they've done it recently. Typically, yeah, yeah, they they've revived it. It comes and goes. They've revived it over the years, but it was typically a mainstay. I think from like the fifty in the fifties and sixties, and basically, there's a difference between that teleplay and then they use teleplay in a different form now as well where if you're watching a t- if you're watching TV usually in the end credits of it after an episode you'll see teleplay by whoever yeah. and that means that it was basic basically they're using teleplay as like uh, a person who wrote the script for uh, scripted television sure basically that's what it is so it's the same word two different meanings but what's important for us is for that distinction is that it is an adaptation of some of a previous of a previous thing um, but for those of you who are not familiar with, you know, how we do things here on Cinema Discovery Project, we will be delving into all kinds of spoilers and basically going through the plot beat by beat and delving into all the things that we, we liked or perhaps didn't like about the movie. Sure. So, yeah, so, go check this out. I think um, this is very – I think it's available to – I mean, it's probably definitely available to rent. Um Oh, I uh, yeah. There's a DVD. There's a Blu-ray. Um, Kino put out a Blu-ray. There was probably a VHS back in the so. day. Um, yeah, so it's readily available. It's a classic film. Like I said, 1955 Best Picture winner, beloved film. So it should be readily available. And if it's not, that's kind of a crime. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of a crime. I think I originally probably watched it streaming a few years ago on. I want to say the now defunct Filmstruck, mm-hmm. or it may have been like TCM on demand. Yeah. Not quite sure, but it may have been filmstruck. I just have that feeling. But this is bit, this film is also directed by Delbert Mann, who is a director I don't think a lot of people are uh, familiar with, because uh, he doesn't have a lot of. I mean, this was movies. his debut, and yeah. which you know, Hell if we could go debut. back and do talk about our, our debut episode, this would be on there as a great yeah, debut. Yeah, probably should have <laughs> done that. Yeah, but he, um, um, yeah, there's a few of his films I've seen. Bless you. Um, he he directed. Um, Apparently, Andrew directed, is uh, yeah, dying, dying over there. Yes, yeah. I mean inappropriate to say <laughs> that, but he directed a few films I've seen: Lover Come Back, starring Rock Hudson and Doris Day and Tony Randall. Um, he also directed uh, That Touch of Mink, which stars one of my all-time favorites in Cary Grant, also starring Doris Day. It's kind of yeah. a trend here. Um, and I think he also directed um, another film. Uh, where is it? I think it was Separate Tables. 
yeah, separate tables from 1958. Um, this movie's a star-studded cast. This movie has Deborah Carr, Rita Hayworth, David Niven, uh, and Burt Lancaster, Rod Taylor. Yeah, it's a star-studded cast um, in that film. That and this film is kind of like a play as well. The Devil takes place in like one, like a like a boarding not a boarding house, but like a like a, an inn or something like mm-hmm. that. And it's a it's a character type thing. But I've seen that film as well. So yeah, Delbert Mann, check out his stuff. He like I said, he won one Oscar. And yeah, and he was nominated for a Golden Globe for Separate Tables. And that's and he's got some Emmy noms. But that's that's him. But I guess we can dive into the plot right away. All right, if you're if you're Let's cool do with it. that. Uh, or do you want to so start we, with the cast list? Uh, um, Ernest Borgnine is um, our our leading he's, man. He's our leading man. He plays uh, Marty Paletti, and he is a butcher from the Bronx. And he's kind of like, you'll see when we describe the film, an all-around, like, super nice guy, I would say. He's your average Joe, um, nice guy. Average guy, you know, he lives he lives at home with his mother still, and he's he's, he's just kind of like a... a, like a, he's a ba- he calls himself he's a, a bachelor. Nice, he's a 34-year-old bachelor. He's a 34-year-old bachelor, and he's just like, you know, he's always, like, smiling and, like, talking to people... And greeting people and all that kind of stuff. He seems like a super nice guy. He's a nice guy, guy, but underneath, uh, as we know through the movie, he's definitely a depressive, lonely person. Yeah, he is. And and, throughout the film, he's trying to find, you know, love, essentially. He's trying to find some or some type of human connection with someone. Yeah, I mean, I think think ultimately that is what the movie is. is, If you want to say there's a theme, um, it's about mm – it's about – I think human connection. It's about how we right. all starve it in some way, um, whether it's healthy or unhealthy. Um, yeah, so. yeah. And uh, the film also stars Betsy Blair as you know we meet Clara, uh, Esther um, Minciotti who plays um, Teresa Paletti, who is his mother, I she, believe. She, her and, and no, yeah, it's, it's her yes. mother. And then the woman that plays the aunt, both of them actually were in the teleplay, and they just. Recast yes. them, yeah, yeah. They they recast like uh, the original teleplay. I didn't. Um, Rod Steiger played yeah, the Marty yeah. character, um, and the and the woman who wanted to, um, who who was in the teleplay wanted to reprise her role, but as um, as Clara, but she she didn't get it because Betsy Blair, I think, was there's a whole backstory here. This, Betsy Blair was um, uh, yeah, was it, Nancy Marshawn was the actress that. Uh, was in the teleplay. She wanted to replace her role, um, and she, but um, but Betsy Blair was married to Gene Kelly at the uh-huh. time, and she had been blacklisted because of the you know uh, the Hollywood blacklisting, House and Americans Committee, all that kind of you know ha- witch hunt for you know the communists in Hollywood and all that stuff. But she apparently, uh, basically, Gene Kelly used his leverage and power uh, in Hollywood to get her this mm, job. Wow. Um, uh, you know his connections at MGM and United Artists to get the role. Um, apparently, he like threatened to pull out of some movie or something like that in order for, and that was kind of what got her this role. But Nancy Marchand, I think people probably specifically know her mostly as uh, being in The Sopranos. Okay. And I, I want to, yeah, she played Tony Soprano's mother. You know, the late uh, James Gandolfini's character's mother in. The Sopranos, and I remember that she had passed away while making that show as well. Yeah. Um, 
and they had to like CGI her in or do something. And it's notoriously like really, really bad because of course this was like the early 2000s TV CGI. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you couldn't really do it. But she plays, she was originally in the teleplay. But yeah, and you you have Augusta Scioli as Aunt Catherine. She plays a vital role. Joel Mantle as Angie, who is his best friend. And I mean, he's a friend, but he's, he's also he, kind he, of he, a peer pressure he, guy. Well, yeah, you he's... He's basically in the same boat as Marty is at the beginning, except he's a little more bitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah you could say that. Uh, Karen Steele plays Virginia, and Jerry Paris play Tommy, and the, and Tommy is his uh, his married cousin, and Virginia is his wife, and it's an interesting, like, comparison between the two lives of those two of of Marty yeah. and his cousin, and like, very interesting. But we'll get yep. into it, but. So the movie starts off at uh, the butcher shop with Marty, and we get basically a glimpse of what his day to day, what his work, his day to day work life looks like. You know, he's a. It seems like a local butcher shop where a lot of the customers are um, local people who are familiar with everybody. Yeah. That's the one interesting kind of cultural look I think about this movie is it really shows you the tight knit community of like inner city New York. You know, in the 1950s. Yeah, because he's he's taking an order from a lady who obviously knows him uh, very well. Um, you know, they're it's an Italian. You know, they're Italians. Yeah, it's an Italian uh, butcher yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and she's you know, this is a first glimpse at what he gets used to hearing. All that we hear many people ask him about this, which is why aren't you getting married? You know, your whole family is getting married. Your sister's getting married. Your brother's young brother just got married. It was a great affair, as he says many oh, times. Oh, yeah, she's ripping yeah, into yeah, him. And... Just ripping into him, like, because she's like, oh, I heard your brother got married. And he's like, and he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, married, like, last Sunday. Beautiful ceremony. <laughs> well, he says, and all he, he says like, the same thing. It was a beautiful affair. Affair. They call yeah, it affair. You affair. Know, the language back then. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but he's got two brothers and three sisters. Yeah. So it's a, big, it's a big family, and they've all been married off. Um, and, I mean, I say that. Yeah, that sounds negative, but that's Back, kind of the way the old society. I was gonna say, if there's anything that's aged about this movie, is it's it's you know how people see what's success in life and what isn't. You know, right. um, he he, and on a personal level, he might not feel so successful, but ultimately, there's tons of people that are just like him. Um, but back th- and back then, getting married and getting you know. Doing stuff like that was like, if you didn't do that, there's something wrong with you. Like you say that, Stephen, and. I mean, people out there who are listening probably may know this or may not know this. That same type of mentality mentality still exists today. Oh, it today. does definitely, and it's specifically targeted towards like young women more so than yeah. young men. I would say, uh, yeah, definitely. And and it's like just you know you'll have like uh, mothers, fathers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, whatever from the from you know older generations will constantly hound. The younger generation, the younger, you know, family members, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have a grandchild? When are you going to do this, that, and the other thing? That still happens I today. think it definitely still happens. I, I think there's a little bit more looseness in the sense of, like, I think it... Well, yeah, there's more openness and pushback today against I think, that. I think people are a little then. bit more... Um, I wouldn't say smarter, but I think they're a little bit, they're <laughs> a little bit more self-interested in the sense of, like, unless it's in their benefit to get married... They're not. They're well, not going to get married. Yeah, our, you know, like specifically, Stephen and I's generation are like the first generation in a while that's you know they are not getting married as young as the previous generations. They're not having children as early as the previous generations, and 
a lot of that is to do with you know the changes within society sure. and culture. You know, you know, you just even. But it, it ultimately depends on the person. It, you know, it depends on the person. Yeah. Some I, I know but some I mean, people it, that I went to high school thing. with. They yeah. got married right out of high school. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know people who are on the, their second or third or fourth child yeah. now that I went to high school with. You know, fourteen years ago. I mean, it just you know. You know, it really all depends on who you are. But I think just overall culturally, our generation, you know, people who are now in their late 20s, early 30s, uh, you're seeing a, a trend change. I think it's just going to keep carrying on just because the way things are now are vastly different the way they were, you know, not only the 50s, but like the 80s and 90s. I mean, it's just it's just the way the world is. But Marty is, but getting back to Marty, you know, he's getting all of that pressure on him. You know what I mean, and I'm sure he he internally knows, uh, you know that that pressure exists. He puts the pressure and on himself. He doesn't need everybody else to do it. Um, true, and it just kind of shows you just the way, like you know how, you know, personal and how kind of unfiltered some people can be yeah. when they're just ripping you for personal life decisions that you're making or lack thereof. Yeah. So he gets it from this woman, and the next woman, she's in a hurry. She has to go. But, of course, she takes the time to also rip into him as well. She, and they really give it to him. They're like, oh, he, like it's a shame. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Really just insulting him. And it's it just shows you just kind of the way that, you know, that culture is. And, you know, how tightly knit that, you know, that community is. I think it's like, I think he's from the Bronx or something like that. Uh, but either way, it's, you know, inner city New York, yeah. you know, circa 1955. And the next scene, I believe we, you know, he, he goes. Well, he goes to, he, he goes he, to the, he goes he, to the, the bar. Yeah. Bar, diner. Yeah. It's restaurant. Yeah. Whatever. Back then it was a little and, bit confusing. <laughs> yeah. He ordered, he orders two beers, sits down it, with his friend yeah. and his buddy Angie. And they're just sitting there like, you know, what are we going to do tonight? They got newspapers. Just, just, this, just, this scene is what I call the, the. The vultures from Jungle Book scene, where they're just like, <laughs> "What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Now, don't start that again." Like you know, like literally, that's what happens in this scene where um, uh, Marty's looking at the paper, and it's Saturday night, so they, you know, he, you know, Angie's like, "So should we go pick up these girls that we met, you know, a while back ago?" And you know, this to me, though, we we know we know that he's somebody that's getting it hard from other people. Um, this is where I think you can see some of his own self-pity is part of the reason that he hasn't been able to find somebody because he's not only is he, you know, he, you can sometimes be your own worst enemy too. Um, you let, you, oh, you know, course. and you, and you know, he is de- deciding to basically give up. You know, he's like, I'm sick of going yeah. out, trying to find love. Well, well, yeah, keep that keep keep that under wraps because we're gonna get yeah. to a big scene. Oh yeah, relatively yeah, yeah, yeah. soon where they where he lets all but that he, out. You know, it's honestly one of my favorite. Oh, it scenes is. Ever. It is. Yeah. And but in this scene here, you see him. Him just you also yeah. get that kind of contemporary, uh, another contemporary thing where like, how many times do but you know friends hang out today and like try to figure out something to do? Granted, the options are more vast now than they were back in the day. But I'm just saying like, how many times have you hung out with a friend? Or spent time with a friend. You're just trying to figure out what the what the plans well, not are. Even just, yeah, not even just yeah, not even just that. But look, they're both in their thirties. You know, think yeah. about think about that. I mean, like, you know, as I said, you know, I'm trying not to go get us too far ahead, but like, they're in their thirties right. and they're guys that have jobs and they have. You know, you'd think by now that they would move have moved on past this type of lifestyle. You know, yeah, um, or, or the bat, well, or at least specifically. Think, yeah. I mean. 
for 1955, you know, being in your 30s, whether you're a man or a woman, you're considered, you know, old, if you will. You're you know getting what I mean? to your middle like, age. Just put it yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? For I mean, just for context, in personal context, uh, he says he's 34 years old. I just turned 33 a week <laughs> ago. And it's like, damn, I'm, jo- I'm almost as old as Ernest Borgnine's Barty in this movie. And it's like, damn, it's just like, that's fascinating, like, culture shock. Yeah. But so he and his buddy are sitting there, and you know, his buddy's like, you know, why don't we remember those two girls we, we, those two women that we, we talked to or went out with or ran into, you know, a while ago or whatever? Why don't we call them up and, you know, reconnect with them or whatever? Because his buddy, it's, it's, Marty is so different than I think the other men around him. They're all looking for, like, they're looking for, they're looking for quick the quick and easy. Fix. The quick fix, the easy fix. They're looking for. You he's know, looking for somebody he, he can actually love and stay. He's with. looking for meaning. Yeah. You know what I mean. He's he's he's, looking he's for, definitely a more um, intelligent. He, he's more intelligent than his friends. Um, he's got stuff on his right. mind. He's he wants more than just a quick thing. He's he he's actually looking for real love. So. Um, yeah. So he and his buddy have a little a, a little argument, I would say, about what did what their plan should be. Because, like I said, his buddy wants to talk to these <laughs> women, and he does. He's not really interested. And he gets upset. He gets upset. And he gets upset. He's like, "Look, you're becoming a real drag." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you just want to go home nice. and watch the, the something on TV. Like you just want to hang around the house all the time. Like, you know, like I'm. Why not? Let's go get these girls, man. And he's like, "I just don't have the energy for it. You go do it." You know, like yeah, it's like man. He's like, if you want to go out, you go out, man. I don't, I don't have to be a part of it. Um, but then he gets a phone call, and he gets a phone call uh, from his mom, uh, who, who. Well, we don't we cut over phone? to the to the them first before he gets the call. I know he gets the phone call, and then we. Okay, cut okay, over. okay. Yeah, he gets the phone call from his mom at the place he hangs out in, which. Man, if this isn't cut, if this isn't something that cuts through right to today, <laughs> with you just like replaced like, um, like you know a, a coin operated phone or, or whatever with a cell phone, I don't know what yeah. does. You know what I mean? Like, how many times does a parent like call their child when they're at a social event and you know during something? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like some of that stuff is directly translated to today. I know it happens to me all the time, <laughs> but um, it. Uh, so he gets a phone call and his mother says. Um, your cousin and his wife are over here. Um, when are you gonna be home, basically? And he's like, "I'll be home, and I'll be home in two to three minutes. I want to talk to Thomas about something. Um, I really need his advice about something. I'll be right over." So then we transition from you know that setting over to the house with his mother, and his mother is like kind of you know she's old school, um, you know old world, uh, you know probably immigrated from Italy. You know, she's still seeming like that. So Marty could be first generation, uh, you know, Italian American. At least that's that's the gist I get. Or perhaps he may have been born in Italy. We really don't get a lot of backstory about him and his family, but we get enough, I think, to understand where they are at the present. Yeah. I think the film does a great job of that. Yeah. So they they come in, uh, the the cousin and his wife come over and um, they start talking about how uh, you know. Uh, uh, you know, Eth- her name Eth- Ether, Eth- Esther, Esther, Esther. I think it's. Um, let me look. Yeah. Oh, oh, Teresa. Well, Esther is the the actress. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, her, I guess her sister, um, who lives with them, um, is becoming, I guess, a nuisance. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, she, she, you know, they're, they're a relatively new married couple. They have a new child and, and, uh, she's, you know, kind of, I guess, becoming a problem when it comes to their relationship is getting, you know, causing friction and, you know, right. And they're wanting her to move in with them, with Marty and her. So, yeah, they want, they basically want, um, their mother-in-law who is, you know, Teresa Paletti's uh, sister to move in with her so that they can have their own space and privacy and make things less tenseful. And it really, you know, and this is where we get into a lot of the kind of old mindset familial stuff that I think still exists today. You know, the idea of, you know, that, you know, there comes a point in life where children uh, have to take care of their parents or their parents become dependent on the children for... um, for things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's it, it's it, it's yeah. hard to break that tie depending on how close knit your family is. Yeah. And she and like they bring up a whole kind of story about like you know uh, accidentally throwing a milk bottle or something like that. Um, and, but basically, what you get is that it's it's a very tenseful situation for that young married couple. And 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 you know Teresa is very um, understanding. She's like, yeah, my sister can be a pain, basically. Yeah, yeah. She she and wants to. She she's wants like, to... yeah, don't worry about it. She can come stay here. But I have to ask Marty yeah. first. She wants to. She wants to. You know, ultimately, what I think this movie shows you a lot of times is that, unfortunately, and and I'm not. It's it, everybody does it, but a lot mm-hmm. of times when we decide to to help somebody or make decisions on something, a lot of times it's for selfish reasons. Um, I think ultimately she would love her sister to be there, you know, to have somebody else there, you know, like when Marty's not, I mean, Marty is around, but like, you know, people make, it it becomes more clear later. You'll see. It does become more clear later. And but she also asks Thomas, you know, you know, do you know any, any women that that Marty could marry? It's not like, what's crazy is like, she always like brings up marriage, like not, no courtship or anyone to date. No, just some woman, just some woman. It didn't matter who it is. Uh, A good woman. It has to like, well, we'll get into it later. We can dissect this as we get, because it changes. The criteria changes throughout the movie for for who the woman has to be. Um, It does. But, but she yeah. asks him, and she, and he and he's like, and he, and he suggests that Marty should go over to um, what's it, the Stardust Ballroom, yes. which is this big dance hall, and that's where he found his wife, Virginia. And he says, and "This is an old school term, Stephen." <laughs> yeah. He says, "There's a lot of tomatoes there," yeah. and I'm trying since I've seen this movie like three or four times. I'm trying to interpret what tomatoes means. I guess like, juicy that talking? they're juicy. Lots of ju- a lot like, of juicy girls there. I, I, I guess so. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't use that terminology. But I meant more like um, attractive. You know? I don't know how tomatoes and attractive gets put together. <laughs> I, I mean, like, because you got to think of the characteristics of a tomato. I guess I don't know. I mean, basically, he's saying that there are a lot of women there that would perhaps be appealing to Marty or to men in general. Yes, that seems to yes. be the case. I mean, and. And and of course she's she doesn't understand the terminology as you know we don't even understand. I don't it, even you know? really yeah. We'll, we'll have to look that one up. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's an old school slang yeah. that you know they people don't typically use anymore. I mean there's a lot of old older slang that's not used anymore either. That's like modern day that refers to you know certain types of people and whatnot. But he, so he so she's like okay Stardust Room, uh, Stardust Ballroom. You know a lot of tomatoes there. 
that's the way, the way she pronounces it with her accent. Yeah. And and so I think, Marty shows up. So yeah. Ma- Marty shows up, and he wants to talk to Thomas about because he because the old man who owns the butcher shop is it wants to sell it to Marty, and Marty doesn't know if he should do it or not because he doesn't know if it'll be a financial risk. And I think Thomas is a um, I think an yeah, he's some sort of accountant. Like I think yeah. And he wants to ask him, right? And and he doesn't really get the chance to, because because basically once he says that um, that um, you know his aunt can come live with him, um, well, he's, they basically his cousin's up and leave. Yeah, well, he's done talking to him. He's he's more of he's got other things to do. Once somebody's said that they're going to help you, you know, he's not really there. You know, so well they kind. Of, I'm pretty sure they went there specifically oh, yeah, to ask yeah. Teresa if her sister could come live with them. They were, I don't think they were there for like afternoon tea or anything like yeah. that. So once, once like, um, once, you know, Teresa explained to Marty that, you know, they want, you know, aunt, their aunt Catherine, aunt Catherine to come live with them. They, he was like, he said, of course he said, yes, Marty's a kind of a guy who I doesn't typically say no to people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he's, he's very, I mean, he, I think he is generous they, at heart, generous at heart, but he, uh, yeah, he wants to. He's a people pleaser. Yeah, he's a people pleaser, and he kind of always wants people to like him. Um, there's a lot. This oh man, this movie is. There's like, a lot. Uh, people, people, so many levels. People tend, you know, people that are having a hard time expressing themselves um, truthfully tend to be mm. like that. You know, like I, I could say yeah. I, I've been like that at one point in my life. Oh, I, um, I am, I am literally Marty in this movie. <laughs> like it's. Frighteningly, how close to Marty I am. Do you are you a butcher? Uh, personally, characteristic other than being a butcher, <laughs> other than being a butcher Italian living in New York, uh, you know. But there's other characters yeah, within yeah. the Marty character, you know. Um, like I said, people pleaser, the self loathing, you know, all this kind of stuff we're gonna get into. We're just like you know, generally nice person. Like there's a lot of stuff. But in I, here I think that that emotion that he holds person. in comes up in this next scene, which I know you're you want to yes. talk about. So. We're gonna talk. We'll get. We'll get right yeah. into. It. So basically, his cousins leave. Well, and he doesn't really get to bring up the whole butcher shop thing. But then we get the scene with him and his mom, and he's eating like a plate of spaghetti, and his mom's just you know talking to him, and she's like, you know, Marty, why don't you go? Why don't you go to the? the <laughs> what you gonna do tonight? Uh, I think I'm gonna hang around the house. Yeah, he's like, oh, I think I'm gonna hang around the house, and wa-. he's gonna watch something, some parade or, or something. Th- yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot what it was called. It was some television program. Um... But and then she's like, "Oh, why don't you go to the Stardust Ballroom? There's a lot of tomatoes." <laughs> and he's like, "What did you say?" That's kind of like when your parents like try to they try, try to, to they, say something they try cool, to, and they're like, "That's not how that that's not what they that try term to be means. relatable." <laughs> and then you're like, "That's yeah. not how that's yeah." So, what are you gonna do tonight, Marty? I don't know, Ma. I'm all knocked out. I may just hang around the house. Why don't you go to the Stardust Ballroom? What? I say, why don't you go to the Stardust Ballroom? It's loaded with tomatoes. It's loaded with what? Tomatoes. <laughs> Who told you about the Stardust Ballroom, huh? Tommy. He says it's a very nice place. Oh, Thomas. My, it's just a big dance hall, that's all it is. I've been there a hundred times. <laughs> loaded with tomatoes. Boy, you're funny, Ma. Marty, I don't want you hanging around the house tonight. I want you to go take a shave and go dance. Ma, when are you going to give up? you got a bachelor on your hands. I ain't never going to get married. Uh, you're going to get married. Ma, sooner or later, there comes a point in a man's life when he's got to face some facts. And one fact i got to face is that whatever it is that women like, I ain't got it. 
I chased after enough girls in my life. I, I went to enough dances. I got hurt enough. I don't want to get hurt no more. I just called up a girl this afternoon. I got a real brush off, boy. I figured I was past the point of being hurt, but that hurt. Some stupid woman who I didn't even want to call up. She gave me the brush. No, Ma, I don't want to go to Stardust Ballroom because all that ever happened to me there was girls made me feel like I was a, a bug. I got feelings, you know. I had enough pain. No thanks, Ma. Marty. No. I'm going to stay home tonight and watch the hit parade. Are you going to die without a son? So I'll die without a son. Oh, Marty, put on the blue suit, huh? Blue suit, gray suit. I'm just a fat little man, a fat, ugly man. You're not ugly. I'm ugly, I'm ugly, I'm ugly. Marty. Ma, leave me alone. Ma, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? I'm miserable enough as it is. All right, so I'll go to the Stardust Ball, Ma. Put on a blue suit and I'll go. And you know what I'm going to get for my trouble? Heartache. A big night of heartache. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not, that, that term doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but he's like, yeah, he's like, I've been, to the, I've been there, you know, hundreds of times, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just a dance you know, place. It's nothing yeah, special. It's nothing, I've been there, I've done it. Just kind of what he told Angie in, in the last conversation he had with him, which is, you know, like, I've tried going out with girls and I, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm taking a break, you know, like I'm, I'm, I don't, yeah, he's not in a rush. He, he, um, you know, he, he you know, his mother keeps kind of pushing him, kind of pushing him to go there, and he's like, Ma, I've, I've been there, and I've done that. Like, am I going to go there and just make a fool out of myself again? Am I going to go there and just, you know, be be just a nobody, just to have my heart broken again? Like, I've gone through this over and over again. He can't handle it anymore. Yeah, he gets up, and, so and, and he actually down. gets angry. Um, he gets so, yeah, this is the one kind of moment where we see, you know, true, like, real anger from Marty. And it's he's just completely over it completely broken down and he, a lot of what's brought up in this scene is not only being frustrated I think with the way he's being treated with other people but the way he looks at himself is greatly affected by that yeah. you know what I mean the way other people have been treating him I think you could I mean specifically women in this in this instance um uh, he, well he, he calls himself he's, fat he's a fat short yeah he's fat, fat little man ugly you know you know he's a, you know he's a fat ugly man you know unappealing to anyone, specifically women. But, yeah, I think you can extrapolate that out to even just being unappealing to everyone in general. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, I think his level of self-loathing, I think, goes to that, goes there. And it's really, really interesting how I think this film, specifically in this in this scene, opens up the doorways into a, a, a specific theme, a specific talking point that I don't think gets talked about a lot specifically in our society specifically in perhaps yeah, I, I think more so now but maybe not even in pop culture or movies in general is the fragility of masculinity yeah. you know what i mean there's this idea i think that you know men specifically are always supposed to be strong they're always supposed to be you know unbreakable they're always you know supposed to be these pillars of you know strength and they're not supposed to show weakness. They're not supposed to cry. They're not supposed yeah. to, you know, have any type of, you know, mental depression or anything like that. But you could say that by modern standards, Marty suffers from depression. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's out of No, no definitely. Know, I don't think that's crazy to say. Uh, yeah. That. I mean, and back in the 50s, there probably wasn't, you know, there, that's there's some other movies that talked about. There's definitely other movies that deal in this, like, this, you know, you know theme. Um, like, like, one right. that comes to mind is... Um, What's the Nick Nick uh, the Ray movie? Um, bigger than life. Uh, um. Yeah, I think it's bigger than life with um, 
James Mason? Uh, I can't think of who acts it. But it's about how, you know, that facade of the 50s, of that perfect home. Mm, and, you know, yes. he has like a, a an addiction to, um, is it to... Um, it's some type of like... Um, yeah, it's, it's like, like chloroform or something. or something. Yeah, it's like a miracle drug. Yeah, or something. and he he has it, you know, and, and it just shows, you know, that that people have dealt with stuff like this, you know, throughout you know many decades. It's not oh, not yeah. a new there thing. There have been many films that touch upon this. Um, what is interesting though is that I think a lot of films, like you just said, Nicholas Ray's Bigger Than Life, uh, kind of kind of uses this funnel of addiction. Yeah. Uh, as as a way to bring about all of those emotions and being about all well, of those you know self doubt depression, and I would even say uh, we just talked about yeah I was gonna weekend. say the lost alcoholism. weekend yeah perfect yeah alcoholism brings out all of those things as well but what is interesting I find about Marty is how organic it seems to yeah. be you know there is no alcoholism there is no you know um, drug drug addiction or anything like What's, that it's just part of him. we're just dealing with the emotionalness of it and not having you know some you know, what what you would say, I guess, an edgier plot, you know, uh, kind of used to to maybe lure people into watching the movie, whether it be alcoholism or drug addiction. A lot of people will use that as part of the plot points to make it more interesting, you know. There's no plot device for it. It's just like life is like that sometimes. That's part of what being human is, is having these levels of self-doubt. But um, one thing I think we just, we kind of skipped it, just before the the dinner was that he did give them girls a call. He gave that one girl a call. He did. He um, did. And she didn't even she didn't even know who he was. Yeah. And I think that Which really is a very, very you know got to him. It, it's relatable. It's relatable. It's yeah. happened to it happened to me. I've I've called a girl and then they kinda just you know, act like they don't remember you and if they do then they're just like trying to find a way to blow you off and you know, he tries right. to say, Hey, you know, you want to go out this Saturday? I know it's a little early, and then she's he's like, well, maybe next Saturday, and then she's like, you know, you don't hear her side of it, but you can tell no. she's just making excuses and that she's just not interested. Yeah. yeah, and I would even say that that also happens to women as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. it happens to women, it happens to men. I mean, this just happens to be a male character, but I mean, it happens today. Well, I mean, the, the, it's called... The female yeah, he meets in the movie, it happened to her. It happens to her. It happened to her. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, in the modern-day context, people call it ghosting. Yeah, yeah. You know, when so when you're, like, you're talking with someone, all of a sudden, they just don't talk to you anymore. Yeah. They you, you disappear, you know what I mean? Um, and, yeah, he just... She did... She, didn't really know who he was. She wasn't interested in him. And, I mean, that whole awkward conversation on, on the phone, I mean, that's pretty relatable yeah. as well. I mean, for someone specifically like him, who seems to have a a sense of social awkward and social anxiety about him as well, um, it just like that that looked very familiar yeah. to me. Oh, yeah. Um, so, basically, he get, like we said, he... He, he, you know, yells at his mom, but he relents. He says, you know what? I'll do it. I'll go. I'll go and I'll do it. Um, he puts on a blue suit, which we can't really tell because the movie is yeah. black and white. <laughs> I mean, she mentioned a blue suit, but we really get you know. Yeah, can't he see he, it. he reluctantly says, "Okay, fine, mom, I'll go out. I'll go to this place and you know, look, you know, get my heart broken again." Yeah, yeah, and so he goes there with his buddy Angie, and it's like a big dance hall everyone's kind of dancing and drinking sitting around whatever um and you know they uh they're kind of you know looking around to see who who to dance with and, you know his friend angie finds someone and then he he tries to um ask someone to dance and they they have no interest in him um and he and so but then it cuts over to 
this, you know, the second party, the one where we're introduced to Clara. Yeah. And Clara is out with her with her friend, similar to Marty. And, and she's got a blind date for him. Some she got a, yeah, she some a young date. doctor douchebag. Yeah, and the guy, this guy is a piece <laughs> of work. I'll tell you, Stephen. Um, so yeah, so she's out with her friend. Clara's out with her friends, blind date, like we said. And it's you know, it's a young, it's a guy who's like just an asshole. Yeah, well, doctor, du- I call him Doctor Douchebag. Yeah, douchebag asshole, piece of crap guy. Because like once again, he's he, he's like he's he's looking for a specific thing and what his specific thing is well he keeps talking about is, how he only has one night off a week and that when yeah, he does he like he wants weeks, to, like to be with weeks. a certain type of girl and it wants to be in yeah, and out it, yeah basically he, he wants, wants to hit it no attachment that's, yeah as I we mean, call the lack of lack of a better term you are correct there so you're probably looking for a modern term uh a hookup or something like that but i think he's also aesthetically looking for a specific sure. type of woman as yeah, well yeah and and you know claire's uh Though she's not, um, or Clara, I'm sorry, uh, she's uh, apparently only 29 years old. She does look a little older than she is. She says she is, but she's still a, a pretty woman. You know, she's yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, like they were. Yeah, they 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 call her all kinds of names yeah, yeah. in this movie. They call like, her they call, call her, her a dog, dog tons of times constantly. Yeah, and it's like, man, that's, that's one that's really terrible. I guess they could call, call it. They could call her the worst name, a bitch. You know, I, which I is a female dog, true. but they don't. They call her just a dog. They could call her worse things, uh, but I mean, like, but yeah, she's they. They go out of. I mean, the filmmakers, the, the the costume designers, makeup and all that stuff go out of their way to make her look uh, different than the some of the other women look in this film. She, she seems to be specifically so. I would say she seems to dress a little bit, maybe a little older than it makes her look older because she dresses a little more old school. Well, well she's different. She's she's she has. A more, I would say, Con- down to earth conservative, personality. You know, conservative personality. Yeah. I mean, she's similar to Marty. She's very similar to Marty. She lives at home with her parents. I mean, she remarks that you know she's got she can't be out late because I think she has to take her and her dad go to the movies like every Sunday or something. She's like got that. a wholesome personality, just like Marty. She's does. wholesome. She's a school. She's a school yeah. teacher. You know, I mean, she teaches. Uh, what does she teach? Uh, chemistry yeah. in in, uh, in high school. And she graduated um, from New so, York University. New York University. Um, and so she's, you know, she, she's more, she's not like the other women are in this film specifically uh, to kind of, you know, you know, show her, show that she's different. And the guy that she's with has no interest in her whatsoever. Like we said, asshole guy. Yeah. And he's, and he, and he's rocking to his friend like, oh, thanks a lot, basically. Blah, 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 blah. He's a, and then he, run, he and runs into ba- a girl he's already been with before and decides yeah, and he's, he's going to. like, oh, there's the sure thing. So therefore. Now he's going to try to find a way to, to um, you know, put off Clara onto somebody else. Yeah, and he's like, he's trying to pay people. Yeah. <laughs> trying to pay people five bucks to like, okay, I'll introduce you as my a friend. Uh, my old war yeah, buddy. Yeah. An old war friend, buddy, friend. And then like, you know, you. You take her off my hands, and he he goes up to Marty, and Marty's like, "No, that's terrible. What are you doing? That's awful, right?" So the guy like the guy moves on to somebody else, and the other person that he pays, I mean, it's probably even just as big of an asshole as this Apparently, guy. Apparently, I mean, he, just, I goes, mean, he goes over, takes one look at her, and walks away. Well, no, what happens? I think is it, from what I can tell, um, I think what happened is is Clara said that she wasn't interested. I. I Oh, really? I, that's the that way I think? took the scene because oh. you know we see it from 
um, Marty's point of view. Marty follows the whole thing, and then you see yeah. that Dr. Douche and this random dude go over to Clara, <laughs> who's sitting down at a table, and I think he's introducing to this other guy, and I think Clara's looking at the situation being like, I don't know this guy. I didn't come here with this guy. I'm good. You know? I yeah. think that's what that's not the way I took a, it. So. I mean, and even from a modern-day perspective, like, you don't, like, I mean... You don't know what type of person this guy is. Yeah. You don't know what type of anything like that. Just to to do that to specifically, you know, someone as in a vulnerable position as Clara is in is a horrible thing oh, to yeah. do. Regardless of, you know, that guy could be a murderer. That guy could be a serial killer. Murderer, <laughs> you know, serial rapist. He could be a terrible human being, you know, that hits women or whatever. He could be awful. You don't know that. You don't do that in 1955. You don't do that now. Yeah. And basically... They walk away, and then Marty hears them talking after when the guys, and then and then Dr. Douchebag, as yes. you say, wants his five bucks back, and the guy's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he walks away. So then, Mar- so then, you know, you see her from across across the room, and, you know, you don't hear what she says or does or anything. She just gets up and kind of leaves. You know, she walks out, to, I think, to the roof. Looks like the roof, I think. Well, she get, yeah, she get, well, she goes off to, like, some balcony area. It, it, it is, yeah. it looks like it's higher up, but, um... She's out there, you know, crying, of course, and and um, Marty comes out and, you know, says the thing he, I guess, you know, he wants to make her feel better, so he asks her to dance, and, you right. know, she turns around and uh, just falls into him crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she does. And then it, I think it cuts to them. Them actually dancing on the floor. Them actually dancing on the floor. And they they get along well. Mm-hmm. Very, very well. Um, and... Well, he notices his Angie, you know, not dancing anymore, kind of just standing over there by himself again, and now he's the one dancing, and and then, uh, you know, they just keep t- you're just talking about random things, um, and uh, you know, they get to a point where they they decide, hey, let's, you know, you know they, leave. they leave, they're gonna right. they start yeah. walking down the street. Um, yeah, he looks for his buddy, and he can't find him. Um, Marty looks for Angie, can't find him, so they, they decide to leave. And... and the thing that's great about this is, and I've actually done this myself. When you, when you are can be, when you are socially awkward, especially when you're, you know, I wouldn't say I'm socially, I've ever necessarily been socially awkward in general, but with women, maybe I have. Like it's, you know, because I, I haven't always been personally, you know, good with women. So mm-hmm. what, what happens sometimes? You end up talking too much. Um, you know, and that's oh. what happens with Marty here, because this is something I've done where you just you get kind of caught up in it, you get excited, and you start just talking right. and talking, and usually it's about yourself, and you don't want you don't want to seem like you're like self indulgent, but you get excited and you want to share yourself with somebody else, because um, oh, you yeah. never do this, any other time. Um, this is something I do constantly. Yeah, yeah another, another personal connection I have with the movie. That's something I do. Oh, all yeah. of the time, and then you all of a sudden become self-aware of what you're doing, yeah. and then you try to correct and he tries yourself, to do and you it. kind of just make it worse. Yeah, he tries to do it, and he keeps talking, and, and he's like, "I did it again." It's like I'm gonna yeah, let you talk now, and then he does it again, and and then she just smiles at him because she thinks it's cute, you know, like he right, and they they just keep walking around the streets, kind of just walking and talking, um, and they and yeah, and they just they have a grand old time, and um. I think they eventually decide when, that they're going to go to the the diner, right? They go to it. They do. They do end up at the diner, and he's telling like a big joke. But before we get to that scene, I believe there's a scene between his mother and her sister. Yeah, they go. They come. That kind of yeah, sets she up. She comes to talk stuff. to him about living with her. 
Yeah, and they basically this scene is yeah, very she, telling too. Um, yeah, uh, we learn a lot about Aunt Catherine. Yeah, she may not be the most uh, easy person to live with. <laughs> we get to see what what, uh, the, what the the problem is, and you know this kind of brings up another side of the coin. You could say when it comes to you know, what, and you could say this movie is just about how uh, finding love is hard or you know loneliness, which it is, but. Like I said, it's 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 ultimately just overall about human connection and not just about finding it, but losing it. You know, like um, in this case, you know, these two women uh, are widowers. You know, they don't have their husbands anymore, mm, and they've yes. lost the person that they were used to being with all the time. And and you know, because um, you know Marty's mom, you know, he still lives with her. He hasn't, she hasn't had to deal with being completely alone. Uh, in that sense, in that way. No. Um, and because, um, you know, Augusta, is her name Augusta, Anne Augusta? Um, uh, Aunt Catherine, that's what I saw. Oh, well, yeah. she, um, you know, she's living with her son, but her, they don't want her there. <laughs> and right. so now she feels they... so alone, even when she's with her son, that, you know, you become somebody that you're not. You become, you, you know, you become bitter and you become... And so, you know, a lot of, and, and you make decisions that are, feel more selfish. Um, because in this scene, you know, she's talking to her sister and saying, look, it's going to happen to you. Marty's going to leave. You know, it might not seem like it right now, but he's going to leave and you're going to wish that he didn't. Um, yeah, what's going to happen again? And then where, and then where are you going where to you be? Where are you going to be? And, and, and this puts in motion, um, you know, changing her mind her sister's mind about how to react to marty actually finding a girl he likes um right which is like i said earlier sometimes a lot of times unfortunately though we could be generous you know the nicest person can sometimes fall into something that makes them only want to choose make decisions based on self-interest um because we're all trying to survive this world and because if marty leaves now she's now she's got it in her mind oh um I, I can't be so nice to this girl now, which we're going to get to in it soon. Um, yeah, and he, yeah, so she plants this, you know, this seed, seed of doubt, uh, yeah. seed of doubt, seed of, you know, skepticism in in Teresa's mind. And like Stephen said, it's about, it's about to change. So Marty and um, Clara, Marty wants to take, Clara home because she lives well, out they're, in they're Brooklyn. At a, they're at the diner and they're like, oh yeah, they're, they're at, at the, the diner, diner and they're they're having over. a good time. They're go. laughing. They're yeah. you know they're really getting to know each other. And um, one thing in this conversation, I think that's really, you know, yeah, this is a revealing. It, it, it gets very dark at, at one point where he talks about how he was gonna basically commit suicide. Um, yes. And oh yes. And, um, you know, I thought that you know, I mean, like I said, in 1955. I mean this. You're getting to some dark places, and they and it's very blunt. Right. It's not that he comes out and says it, you know. And uh, yeah, what we learned though is that um, Marty was in the army, yeah. which in real life, the, uh, Ernest Borgnine was in the navy, right? I think he was. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll look that up. But what we learned is that his character was in. Yeah, he was in the yeah. navy. Ernest Borgnine was. Um, what we learned is that his that his um, he was in the army. And he has this whole big joke about whole like you know 
you know, training or using a rifle, and the guy next to him was was apparently cross-eyed, so he accidentally hit his target instead. So somebody thought yeah, that yeah. he he had all the bullseyes and what's and whatnot, because um, he could barely hold the gun, he like steady. Um, but what we learned though is like I'm I'm trying to put the dates together. I mean, he was in the army during World War Two. Yeah. It would this have to his be ge- yeah. his ge- yeah. yeah his generation is you know quote unquote um, the greatest generation he's part of that yeah. and because we learned that he says like you know he got out of the army like uh, when he was twenty five and if you're doing the math he's thirty four you know roughly you know nineteen fifty five nineteen fifty four depending on when they're setting this um, you're just setting the in the movie you know he was in the army during the war yeah so I curious what you know factor that played in they really don't get into it but we do learn that after he got out of the army he really did not know what to do with his life yeah he didn't know um if he should go to college on the gi bill or whatever which which and a great he, movie you should watch if you want to talk about that subject is the best years of our lives from william yes, wyler great yeah. great movie yeah. that's an amazing movie um they um so he didn't know what to do and he would spend. He told her he would spend nights just walking the streets. You know, you know, way way early in the morning, like three in the morning or whatever. Yeah. And he he would just his like, mom would get worried would, about him and you know, would be super yeah, worried yeah. about him. I mean, that's something that is. I think to, that's a that's a that's such a human thing. Uh, you know, parents worried about their children that that think that that crosses you know whatever every generation. I, I do, you know, up until though, now. though I feel like it would have been nice to get more into that, like that mm-hmm. psychological, what what the war had to, you know, um, what kind of effect it had on him. I do also appreciate that it didn't go that way because a lot of movies right. will fall back on that. Oh, it was my military service that corrupted me, and that's oh yeah, because you know you know PTSD. Yeah, being we, we, I think we I think we thing. fall back. Movies like to do that. I think maybe we see that too many times in movies. I like that. This guy went into the military and he, you know, did his time and then now he's just back and he's, you know, just right. trying to figure it out. And he, yeah, and he did say that he thought of committing suicide by, I think, uh, jumping off a bridge, I think he yeah, said. Yeah, And he he didn't do it. He ended up getting a job at the butcher shop and he's pretty much kind of been working And, and I think since. that's where it gets, gets us into the – he talks to her about buying the butcher shop. And yes. she says, you know, you should get, you should do it. She encourages him to better himself, though it is a risk, right. you know, you know, just like this whole movie, you know, he's getting somewhere by taking risks he doesn't usually take. He decides to go up to this girl and, and, you know, investigate and now he's with her and she, he's having a great time. You know, when you don't right. actually he's, try, nothing's going to change. Yeah. His life is, he's, he's. Probably having one of the best nights of oh, his yeah. life, personally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she encourages that, and they and I and but meanwhile, his buddy Angie's been looking for him this whole time. <laughs> and and we get honestly, I, this whole scene, like, I'm just like laughing at this dude. I'm like, like he, dude, like he you need the, to get a life. He, <laughs> yeah, he leaves the he leaves the dance hall, and he's just like just walking around, man. Why didn't we get the sequel, Angie? <laughs> um. But then there's the scene, I can't remember if it's right after this or soon after this, when they're, they're walking down the street and another buddy, Ralph, uh, yes. sees Marty. Yes, And yeah, but this guy was in the, early, he, we didn't mention, he was in the scene with back originally, like the second scene of the movie, where they, he was at that bar slash, you know, diner place. 
And the guy was trying to uh, borrow money from him, but he already owed Marty money, so he went to try to borrow money from somebody else. Yeah, he talks about how he he always can get girls, but he never has any money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But but you say that he has he has he has well, you know women with him, and he just and he's trying to find I guess a second one, uh, to pair up with, uh, and he and he you know he sees Marty tries to get him to come with them, and he's also kind of like you know just you know get rid of her yeah you know what I mean just you know just blow her once off, again he's being tested Mar- on his yeah once again Marty's morality is being yeah tested. yeah you know he's you know it was the reverse the other time somebody tried to you know, push her onto him. And now somebody's trying to get, you know, her off of him, um, and right. take, take on this other temptation. And, uh, he's like, you know, that's just not who Mar- Marty at his core is just, you know, he's, he's only corrupted one time in this movie and that's towards the end. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. Get to yeah. Very, very but other than that, um, this dude is a nice dude and he's going, he's going to do what he thinks is, is right. And that's, he, he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going with you. I'm with her. I can't do that. She's already, it's already happened to yeah, her. She's once. already been, yeah, it's already happened to her once, and yeah, Mar- like I said, Marty's a people pleaser, but he's got a he's got a moral line that he yeah. won't cross uh, in this situation specifically. He does falter, like Steven said, and we'll get to yeah. that very very soon. But it's not uh, a long because, falter, you know. He he, he no, quickly fi- fixes it. Right. Um. So then, like I said, his buddy's been looking for him, um, and he he does eventually find him. <clears throat> he does eventually fi- find him, and. And it's he's angry. He's so angry at him. He's angry at him. Yeah, he's, he's so angry. He comes up to him like, Marty, where you been? Where you been? I've been yeah, looking for you, you all been? night. <laughs> I'm like, and, dude, it's and, like, you know, what if I, I, thought, I, I found a girl I liked her? What am I supposed to do? Like, check in with you? Are you and my mom too? You know? Yeah, but he's like, you know, I looked for you at the at the starters ball. I couldn't find you, so you know, I left. Um, and and the guy's like, the guy feels a little, you know, not betrayed, but like. Uh, brushed off. You could I say. I think he's just. I mean, it's it's a. It's honestly, this is he's. I think it could be. You could say he's jealous. Well, he's definitely jealous. Uh, this is the angrier version of Marty. I mean, he's he's bitter to the point where he's showing his cards. You know, he can't. He can't. Oh, yeah. He can't internalize his frustrations with his life like Marty has been able to. Um, so he might be a little dangerous. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't. Yeah, he. Uh, he's not. He's not quite Marty. Yeah. But, um, so he decides, like, he's gonna, but he, but Marty says, like, you know, I'm gonna take, uh, he's like, but his buddy's, like, trying, keep trying to peer pressure yeah, him, yeah. Like, you know, the night's still young, and Marty's like, dude, it's like, it's, it's like almost one o'clock, it's man, like, I gotta take, I gotta take her home, morning. and by the time I get I back gotta, to you, it'll be like two o'clock, and it's like, nah. Yeah, I gotta take her home, she lives I gotta go to mass in the morning back. at ten, like, I go to mass at ten. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, like, just get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah, come on, man, You're I got fucking ruining this. Get a clue, Angie. <laughs> I know. Come on now. So uh, yeah, he ta- he takes so, her. He well, they go back to his place first. His place, and, yes. Because uh, he has yeah. to pick up some cash, I think, or something. Yeah, to get I think probably cash for the bus, yeah. and he also wants to get like cigarettes or yeah. something. Um, and his mom's not home. Yeah, which um, is you know I'll but, tell you this. Let, let let me see what you think of this comparison. Okay. A lot of this movie, especially up to this point, doesn't this feel like the movie, the first Rocky movie? Oh man! Have you ever? Did you think about this before? And put that together until right did, now. Yeah, he, you know, specifically, I would say specifically, this movie had to have okay. inspired Rocky. Specifically with the um, in Rocky with you know Adrian and Rocky's relationship. Yeah. Per, I could see shades of that. And then even to this scene right here, where 
he takes her back home for the first, and she doesn't really feel comfortable necessarily, you know. Right. Um, and then up until he tries to kiss her and like you know, so yeah. Well, yeah, but before that, he like he offers her some food. Like there's a half a chicken in the in the fridge yeah. and stuff like that. Um, which his mom also brings up too, which is kind of yeah. funny. Um, but that's an interesting kind of you know shade. I mean, I would say Rocky is more. I don't want to say I don't want to say blunt. I don't well, know. I mean, Rocky. Rocky also throws a little bit of on the waterfront in there. Uh, you know, it's it's got a, yeah, a few inspirations, but um. Well, I mean, just, I just meant in terms of like you know comparing the relationship between Rocky and Adrian well, and Ro- Marty and Clara, like how like their interactions with one. another. I would another, say I would say Rocky's act. a little more confident in himself physically. Yes. I mean, obviously, I mean well, he he's a yeah. boxer, so he I think he's a little more confident in the sense of like his personal like with women like he I, yes but 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 yeah. he you know he's been fighting to get Adrian for a while and uh you know he's just having he's getting frustrated with her not right i think if anything it's almost like the reverse like um rocky's more blunt and aggressive early on yeah. while marty is the opposite of that and then gets a little aggressive here that we see yeah yeah he, he you know what he, i mean he's once again he when he's in a moment where uh, he actually starts to really feel emotion, he can't hide it anymore because it really hits him in the moment. Like it's he can't hold it back. Um, right? Yeah, he does. He does try to make a, you know a physical yeah, he, move. On he, her. he brings her in. He sits her down, and then um, she decides she's kind of ready to go. And then he tries to kiss her, but she's not really ready for it. Yeah, she's not really. So it comes off as a brush off, and. Um, he gets really upset when she brushes him off. Um, he does get frustrated. Yeah, and he comes and sits down and it, and, and um, quickly kind of like blames himself for it um, and says, you know. Yeah, I think he quickly realizes what he's doing is wrong. Which I, I, I don't know if I would say it was wrong, but it's what happens. I well, think sometimes I mean, when you. Should, you shouldn't really force yourself on people well, if they're not, you know. I, I don't know that I would say he forced that. himself. I, I think. Yeah, I meant I meant that in like a general sure, sense. Sure. It's not like not like he's like 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 holding her down or anything like that or it's not aggressive in that sense. We've seen that in other films and, you know, unfortunately in real life. Um I, I, but what I was going to say was I think some, He's doing something that sh- that he he probably shouldn't be doing. Well, I was going to say, you know, like like we said, she's feeling a little uncomfortable being there in general right. because you know, when you don't really know somebody that well and you come to their house like when you first meet them, yeah. it's a little uncomfortable, especially for women. Um, oh, yeah, and, and so she is very cautious of that. I, she, she's, she's, it's in her mind. So, and he hasn't picked up on that that well because he's caught up in the moment. And I think also because yeah. he he is the man we know, a very lonely person, and he's trying to get that human connection. He's right. missing. He's, he's des- missing yeah. all the signals. Yeah. And what is? I mean, we. I think we can also uh, kind of assume that this is a fish out of water situation sure. for him. Yeah, he doesn't know how to react. He doesn't know how to, re- he know how to do like he's just like she yeah, doesn't know how to react. He, knows what he he's doesn't doing. know how to react. Um, yeah, I don't think he knows what he's doing in in this in this moment. You know what I mean? I think um, it. Yeah, I because when he tries to kiss her, she, she's like not even looking at him. Um, right. You know, it wasn't like he organic. Like he doesn't understand like like social awareness, social cues. You know, reading someone else's body language, you know, reading and... the room, body language. He seems to not know what he's doing. Yeah. And but like we said, he he does stop. You yeah, know what he, I mean? he, he does, quickly like, gets upset at himself, and she comforts him um, right. because she um, lets him know that she lets him know that she does 
want like, to see him. Like him like that. Yeah, well, she does want to see him again, too. It's not like right. she's, she's like, decided that she doesn't like him now and wants to leave. It's that, right. you know, she didn't know what to do in this situation, and um, she just doesn't feel comfortable at this moment, but that she does want to see him again. Um, right, and what happens uh, is that his mom walks yeah. in. <laughs> and you would assume, um, and, and this is where I was kind of alluding to earlier. You assume this was a great, this is a great moment for Marty. Hey, look, mom, I brought a girl home. Yeah, I know. It's like I did it. You know, I did but she it. just it had like, this conversation with her sister that yeah, now has put that, that seed of doubt in her mind. So she comes in, and they start to, you know, she's explaining. He's like kind of excited. She starts explaining her whole situation with her with her sister and how she's going to be moving in, and then, you know, Clara decides to give her opinion on the situation, which. You know, she she says she doesn't really. Th- she agrees with the cousin, and the and that they need their own space, um, and that it's okay that they feel that way. And um, oh, this probably scares this poor woman half. You can half, tell you know, she's scares her so saying much. it, but she's also like doesn't really want to say her opinion, but she can't help but say. You know. Oh, you're talking about um, I Clara. I met I met uh, Teresa, oh, the okay. mother, must not be wanting to hear this. This is like her worst fear. Like come yeah, she, right yeah, now. yeah, she's he's yeah, already come. But Clara over. must be awkward as heck. Like she doesn't want to like answer these personal type of questions for someone she's meeting for the first time. You know what I mean? And Marty, if you look at Marty when he's sitting there, he's got this like really like awkward like oh, man. How's this? Gonna this go? is over soon. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, very quickly you. It's it's interesting how just the one thing can just change your perspective uh, one one talk with somebody and uh so right. so you know Marty get you know Marty takes her off and you can tell the mother's having thoughts but she, we go back to her later um so he takes he takes her home on the yeah, bus yeah he takes her home on the bus and they get to her house and uh, they do have and... one more kiss before the mom walks in by the way I forgot to say they they do they do, they, they yeah. do actually have a kiss. And then she right. walks in. Um, but then uh, she he takes her home, and they depart, and they're both in like and they decide yeah, and they decide and they decide that they're going to go see a movie the next day. Yeah, he's going to call her the next day, and they're going to go see a movie. Of course, he has to go to mass. She has, uh, yeah, she said to call. She said to call her around two o'clock. I think two o'clock yeah. or whatever, and. So she goes in, like her parents are there. She tells them that, you know, she's had, you know, things didn't go as planned, but they ended up turning out wonderfully. You know, she met somebody, and, and, and et, I cetera, think, et cetera, I think this is worth discussion, too. It's interesting, okay. you know, her opinion about the aunt living with the cousin and that whole situation is interesting because she lives with her parents. She and does. she talks about how she thinks it's not right that, you know... For a young couple. Young couple to have to deal with some elderly lady who... You know, you know, it's not, but it's okay for her to, you could say, encroach on her own parents. So where's the line? Well, she's not a couple. Well, but 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 you what, what I'm mean? saying like, is, is is it, it's funny how we we set the, the where the line is when it comes to mm. to um you know who's um encroaching on who. You know, you right. you could say right. for one point of view that parents should always have to take care of their kids. You know what I mean? Like, they, like it's their kids. They should always be for their kids. But you could say by a certain point, why hasn't the kid been responsible enough to take care of themselves so that they can have their own life again? But we reverse it and we say that young people should be able to have their own life and the old people need to get out of the way. Well, yeah, it's that whole, like, double standard. It's a double standard you know, thing, it, and, which is it, it's a hard discussion to have because, 
you know, I th- I think from a, you know, especially in Japanese culture, you see this in a lot of Japanese mm. movies, especially Ozu, oh, yeah, Ozu about how the oh. older, um, the elderly, you know, the the young, the family has to take care of their elderly parents. Um, oh, no yeah. matter what. Well, a Tokyo story. Yeah, Tokyo story. We'll see what happens in Tokyo story where the opposite of that is where they don't take care of yeah. their elderly And then they end up dying like, alone, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, sorry. But, but, but <laughs> I think that's, a, that's an interesting comparison that she's somebody that still lives with her parents and she has this opinion about the opposite that's happening to somebody else. And mm. it's like she mm. doesn't think that that's not worth... Like, it's like the life of an older person is... Is is more worth sacrificing than somebody that's has youth, and it. That's it, I, th- I think I think that's a little discussion. bit of a gray area there, but um, I mean, that is an interesting gray double standard area there. But um, moving on through the plot. But but her parents are ha- her parents are happy for her. Uh, They're happy and, and for especially her. Especially the father. The, fa- the over father's the moon, like, I'm glad that you know she you know hope you, hopefully it's a good guy and he calls tomorrow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, Marty's over the mood. He punches that bus stop sign, spins yeah, it around. Yeah, spins it around. He's, a, he's, he's doing his own little... Oh, no, he's walking out sunshine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> walking out sunshine. Um, and, yeah, so uh, he goes home, and then we get to the next the next morning. Marty's, like, getting ready. For, I think they're getting ready for church, um, and he's he's happy as all heck, and he's getting ready. And then, of course, his mom, mom's starting to... This is where the mom decides to... to lean on well, yeah, they, he comes out, and she's, like, getting ready, and he's getting ready, and... She says a couple kind of like slot, you know, like you know, like get a eh, stop bothering me. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't like, her. you know, I didn't really like that girl. She's not know, a, really she, like... she's not Italian. And... Yeah, she keeps bringing up she's not yeah. Italian, and I'll say this, Stephen, that's something that inc- that is part of a lot oh, of I, yeah, people's yeah. cultures. It, you know, a lot of people, specifically. Uh, that old, you know, that old school mindset, that old yeah. world mindset. This movie, um, at this point right here in this movie, it started to make me think of the movie uh, Moonstruck. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, with Nicolas Cage and Cher, and, and it made and me Cher, think because you know that's an Italian family, and they're like, she's looking. Right. At, it made me think of that movie. I was like, man, this feels like Moonstruck right now. <laughs> nice, but uh, nice. That's a good pull. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that that, you know that. I mean, oh man, there's so much to go into. But, but like, you can tell that, see, like I said, you know, now she's like yeah. trying to find ways to almost hold Marty back because right. she doesn't want to lose him. She's having second, yeah, she doesn't want to lose yeah. him. She's having second thoughts. But that whole like cultural thing that happens a lot. Yeah. Like for like, I mean, just for example, like my my parents are both you know of the same uh, um, heritage. You know, they're both Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And they you know they grew because like when you emigrate. When you know when generation early generation immigrated to this country, they would stay within their own culture because sure. it was familiar to them. Italians would live in Italian communities, Portuguese and Portuguese communities, et cetera, et cetera, onward and onward. So of course, you know, back in the day, you would probably marry someone who is of the same you know background as yeah, and, and you know, it's still and pro- honestly proximity and whatnot. But I mean, that's just like an old school thing that still happens today with a lot of people but it's kind of interesting that she's using that as a weapon to try to yeah. try to you know get out but, but she but you know it, it was and it even just that she i think she says something else about what's funny is is when she brings it up to her the aunt later a little bit later when um the aunt shows up with the cousin to, to start oh, moving in you know that's a great, she, she, te- that's she great. tells her that she's a college girl and it's funny they have an opposite reaction to that that like today be, having an education is a is a plus but they're like all oh, the yeah. college girls are basically like workers on the street 
Yeah, and it's like, what? So you're saying <laughs> because she went to college, she's almost a whore? What? Well, well, I mean, like, well, the odd character is a, a character, if you will. She thinks that her sister-in-law is trying to, like, you know, uh, stab her in her sleep. Yeah, so yeah. she may not be all there. She's not all there. <laughs> and, she's give, and she gives her the evil eye and stuff like Stink that. Stink eye, as we call it. Yeah, she's she's a little uh, <laughs> suspicious of people. She, she may not be, you know... The most reliable she, she, a lot of her, it seems judgment. like a lot, I mean, a lot of her, um, just like Marty or, you know, I would say because of her age, uh, just it's even more bitter and nonsensical. Um, it's, it's just coming from a place of loneliness, um, you know, and, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, and wanting to I hold mean, on to her pretty, son. Oh, know. yeah. She literally says that, you know, so they go to church, uh, but we'll get to that, that scene about that uh, right away, uh, pretty soon but they go to church and even during church the the mother's still like going after marty yeah. and stuff because he's saying he's got a so, caller you know he's, he's like I, I got other things yeah, he's to got do. A caller. Yeah. and so yeah after they come home is when like the aunt's going to move in but we do get a scene with the cousin and um marty and, and no we get the scene with the cousin and his wife yeah yeah they're at arguing their, at their place um, Apparently, that whole storyline I think was introduced for the movie. It wasn't in the teleplay, yeah. um, but it's very interesting because their marriages. Um, how do I want to say this, Stephen? Um, not uh, tumultuous. tumultuous. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's a little rocky. They, they want to put the blame marriage. on the fact that the mom is 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 what's creating friction. But it looks like there's more there than just that. It, it, there's uh, definitely it, more there, but I think also the son feels guilt. Over having oh, to yeah. treat, having to move her own mom, his own mom out of their house. That's what that. That's what that whole scene. Because about. I think, like we were talking about them, earlier, he feels he feels a certain amount, just like Marty feels a certain amount of, um, you know, uh, obligation to having to take care of his own yeah. family. You know, like it, yeah, he's feeling, you know, uh, yeah, that he has to do it, and you know, he's of the same generation as Marty, yeah. so that makes sense. Same family as Marty, they're the ones that are related. They're the cousins, so they probably grew up together. Yeah. I mean, like. I mean, there's a lot of close-knit, you know, family ties like that. And he, so they're having this argument about, like, you know, he really didn't want to have his mother move out. That seems to be what I what I. But also, from it, but... through the conversation he has with Marty in a little bit, it almost seems like oh, yeah. he, it's like this movie kind of paints kind of a general idea of men somewhat that, then don't want to have responsibility ultimately and that you get lucky to find mm. a man who wants responsibility. Cause like you have all the other men in the movie that are obviously just going after, you know, chase and tail. And then you got this guy who has a, a wife and kid, but at, says, you know, just, you know, gets upset and says, Hey, you know, Marty stay single. Like you don't want any of this life. Why do you care so much? Like, well, that, that's why do you something want more I alluded responsibility? To earlier. <laughs> I alluded to that earlier when we talked about, you know, the, the actors and the characters, um, you know, you know, there's so much, you know, pressure and, you yeah. know, put on people to, you know, get married, have children, have a family. And there's that pressure exists now forever. It has existed all the way to this day. Yeah. But that doesn't that's not like it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not blissful. It's not <laughs> once again, a Rocky. That, that's a Rocky reference. Yeah, it's, it's a Rocky reference. Come <laughs> on now. Um, they um, it's not something that's for everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a reason why the divorce rate is what like been at 50% now forever yeah. because like that marriage and family life is not for everyone. It's not a cure-all for life. It's not something that I think everyone has has to do. And I think this film is kind of showing that with those two characters that like 
like yeah like they want uh, you know his Ma- Marty's mom wants him to get married but look at this married couple they are a mess well, I don't know how, you know what I, I mean? don't know how much I don't know what the age difference is between the two I would assume the cousin's younger um yeah I would praise probably yeah younger. um it also I think tells you which is something I think that I somewhat agree with sometimes it's good to wait to get married until you're a little older um, so that you can, you know, g- gain maturity and, you know, Marty, Marty and, you know, as, as I think it's kind of been proven, men take a lot longer to mature than women do. Um, and you know, m- you know, Marty's definitely a mature man. You know, he went through mil- right. the military. He, he has, you know, figured out a certain amount of what it takes to live in this world and responsibility he has a job. He's steady at that job. He's good at that job. Um, and well, yeah, that's kind of what I was saying earlier, like yeah. that, how our generation is taking a lot longer to get married and have families than previous generations are, because we're, we're recognizing that you need to take more time yeah. to, to prepare for that type of commitment or for yeah. that type of life. Cause that's a completely different thing. And I mean, like, I mean, you have to, Steve, you have to do it when, for that yourself, you have to do it when you know you're ready. I mean? Yeah. I mean, like for me, like I'm, yeah. I'm 31 and I'm just now. Um, finding the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. So it's it's right. it's relatable in that way that I think that I didn't try to rush into anything. Um, right. And I know a lot of people get married when they're like 18. Or, I, mean, you know it, I mean, and I'm not saying that that's, there's anything wrong with that. Some people were very no, happy no, just, and they got married in their yeah, early 20s, you know, and, and it's fine. Yeah, I'm just saying like it varies depending on who you yeah. are. It depends you on know, what you want out of one, life too. I mean, it, yeah, there's not one set standard for when you have to do things in life. Yeah. You know, it all depends on you know, you go, you march to the beat of your own drum, as they say. Yeah. So, uh, so you get so you get the scene of when his aunt's moving in, and and Marty asks Marty's trying to ask him about the butcher shop, yeah. and it's and he's just he's like Marty, why do you want that responsibility? You know what I mean? You're a young bachelor with no responsibilities. You know, you know, you are living at the same time. Right Marty's now. holding just, his dude. baby. <laughs> yeah, right now Marty's holding his baby, and and they're, and they're and his and they're having an argument. His wife's having an argument with him and stuff. But then, but his cousin keeps telling Marty, "Hey, you, you know, take take good care of my mother. Take good care of my mother." And I'm like, "She's she's not going to like the other side of the country. Yeah. She's like just going in another house in the same town. I think you you can see her anytime you want." But yet again, there's that it's 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 that mental distancing that that is so tough versus the physical distancing. I think for Marty in and, that scene, though, I think he I think he's you can see, he doesn't have really much of a reaction to his cousin's plight. You know, like he's like right. he's just like kind of like just kind of like deflecting it and like because i think he i think he in his mind no matter what his cousin says has is is on a high right now that he thinks Mm. i'm gonna do this no matter what advice you tell me because i feel good about this the girl that i'm falling in love with has told me i'm good at my job she's given me the courage you know inspiration yeah you know what i mean the uh, and uh, so there's that scene there's also this another scene between um the aunt aunt catherine and Teresa. And this is a scene that's even more, more like it's similar to the, the earlier one, where you know Catherine tells her, you know, how long is it? Basically, like, don't, uh, watch out, you know, he's gonna get married, and then he's gonna say, you know, you know that this house, you know, this house is too big. Well, let's move to a to a smaller, <laughs> more cheaper apartment. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and before then, you know. You know, you're gonna lose him and all that kind of stuff. Basically, what she was well, saying. Well, what earlier, just happened just, to her is gonna happen to him. 
oh yeah, basically what happened to me is going to happen. And, to and so literally <laughs> seconds later, Marty walks in and says, man, this place is falling apart. We should sell this place. Yeah, I mean, it need, you know, it needs uh, it needs new pipes and it needs to replaster, need to replaster this whole wall and all that kind of stuff. And and after her mother just heard that this is the last thing she wants yeah, to hear, yeah. he's like, yeah, why don't we move to those nice new apartments, you know, that they that they just built. Yeah. And it's like, and, and but but when his sister's talking to her, she says like, you know, oh no, not not my husband's house, not the place where I raised my six kids and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And this happens a lot in life where these kind of familial like homes. Uh, people end up moving out of them. And in these homes that people have lived in for, you know, 50, 60 years, raised all their kids in them and lived in them. Some people have even built these whole houses from scratch. And one day they end up, you know, having to leave them, you know, for financial reasons or whatever. And that's a tough cultural oh, yeah. thing to deal with as well. And so she's afraid of that. She's afraid of losing her Because it's her, it's her connection now. to her husband, you know, connection. It's a connection to her family. Yeah. It's a connection to her life that she's probably known for, you know, for seemingly forever. Well, another, you know, all of the children she yeah, has. Yeah, another movie that had. really paints this pretty well is, uh, you know, Boyhood. You know, Boyhood paints. Well, yeah, well, yeah. By the end yeah. of the movie, um, uh, Juliet, uh, what's her name? What's, her, what's the actress's name? Uh, Patricia, Patricia Arquette, Arquette um, really gets upset in a scene about, you know, him going off to college and leaving him. And, you know, mm. she's been divorced twice. You know, so she didn't have right, anybody yeah. there to, to, you know, spend her time with. Um, so it's like, you know. It, well, you know, the, the whole empty nest and yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, that's probably playing into this, but they probably didn't even call it that. No, then. probably not yet. No. <laughs> so um, they just so so she's freaked out about that. Um, and but. But Marty still has to. They go to church. You know, they go to church. Yeah, and that's, yeah, they go to church. And then they have that and scene outside what, the church where she says she's not Italian. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what we just yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, when they're yeah. at church. Yeah, I mean, I think I put that before yeah, this yeah. scene. But yeah, so but Marty doesn't end up calling Clara. Well, um, she. Because like his buddies, his buddies basically convince him not to. Well, yeah, she's. He just says like, yeah, I don't like her. I didn't like her. You know, she was nothing special. You're like. And, it, and they get it, not only his mom but his friends get in his head. Um, they do, and then like they kind of just you know, because they, yeah, because they're all sitting around and they're like you they're know, in his living room, um, and they're looking yes, at like a dirty magazine and yeah, they are. And he's like, put that away. You know, my mom could walk in at any moment, stuff like that. Um, and he's getting ready to yeah. want to call her, and then they yeah. basically can talk him out of it and say, hey, come out with us. You know, like she was nothing special, man. I'm telling you, like I didn't like her. You know, yeah, like Ralph says it, and Angie says it, and then it's like. Yeah, they they get in his head like you said, and, they, and he doesn't call her, and then, and, and it's like, you see that happen a lot. Oh, yeah. Friends can make bad decisions for you. Peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure, man. You know I mean? And I'm and you feel for him. You feel for you know you know that this is the right girl for him. Like like at least you know right. from what we've seen. Like like he he's making a stupid decision. This is like something that happens to you in high school. You know like you know right. which these other friends basically act like they're high schoolers. I mean yeah. These guys, talk about people who look like they're straight out of 2020. You know those people who never grow yeah. up? These guys were probably like... on the football team, and they all like <laughs> still know each other, and they never got out of the town, and yeah. Yeah, it's like, I mean, how many movies have they made about yeah. that? I mean, I just watched Dazed and Confused the other day. Yeah. Matt McConaughey exactly. is the poster uh, you know, character in that movie, still hanging out with the high school kids, even though he's in his yeah. 20s. I mean, like... It's like, and I'm sure er, Ernest like Borgnine's character feels that way, so because I think he's older than them. 
He's uh, he's probably a little older than them, probably. I think that they may all be kind of around the same age. I think that's the whole point is that like all those guys are just like they're just stuck in their oh, head, yeah. and they're okay with like you know going out every night to find a different a different woman and you know all this kind of like you know cheap frills type of life where you know Marty wants more than yes. that. And he's found that, and they're trying to convince him, no, come come back and do the stuff we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? What we do is cool. What you're doing is lame. You know what I mean? And So, so and, he goes along with it. He goes yeah, out with them. He goes along with and it. And they're, like, standing outside the diner that they always go to, and he's out there just, like, they're talking about bullshit, he's, and he's just, like, looking off, like, into oblivion. It his, his eyes are closed. Yeah, he's, he's just, just like, listening, like, God, just shit again. shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Same old shit, different day. Yeah, and so he he just suddenly just he's like, just shut it. It's like stop. You go do what you you know. And then he just runs into the diner, and Angie runs in after him. He's like, what you gonna do? He's like, I'm gonna call this girl, you know. And uh, you know, she's a dog. He's like, she's a dog. He's a great. Yeah, he's a great quote. Um, He's a great quote. You got it. I have it. What time is it? About eight o'clock. You don't feel like going down to 72nd Street? Oh, I think an hour, an hour back. Whole evening's gone. What's playing on Fordham Road? Hey, I think there's a good picture in the Lowy's Paradise. You guys feel like working up a game of cards? Come on, let's go down to 72nd Street. We'll walk around. We'll wind up with something. I'll never forgive LaGuardia for cutting out burlesque out of New York City. There's a burlesque at Union City. Let's go to Union City. No, you're the guy don't even want to ride a half hour on a subway. Now you want to go all the way down to Union City. I feel like playing cards. I saw Richie Rizzo. That's what he said he felt like doing. I don't feel like playing cards. What do you feel like doing, Angie? I don't know. What do you feel like doing? I don't know. George, what are you doing tonight? What are you doing tonight? I don't know. What are you doing tonight? The burlesque, Louis paradise, miserable and lonely, miserable and lonely and stupid. What am I, crazy or something? I got something good here. What am I hanging around with you guys for? What's the matter with you? Wait a minute, will you? Marty, what's the matter, Marty? What's the matter with you? You don't like her. My mother don't like her. She's a dog and I'm a fat, ugly man. Well, all I know is I had a good time last night. I'm going to have a good time tonight. If we have enough good times together, I'm going to get down on my knees. I'm going to beg that girl to marry me. If we make a party on New Year's, I got a date for that party. You don't like her. That's too bad. Hey, Edge. When are you going to get married? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You're 33 years old, all your kid brothers are married. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Hello? Excuse me, Angie. Hello, Clara? And then he closes the phone booth and... And he says, and he, you know, and he's like, hello, hello, Clara. Well, no, no, before and that, then, he makes a joke and he says, you know, like, Angie, why don't you find somebody? Why ain't you married yet? Oh, yeah, he does yeah. say that. He rips into him. He's like, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. Then he closes yeah, the door. Yeah, and he's like, Angie, do you mind? Hello, I, I, Clara. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how, and that's how it ends. ends. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's uh, what a movie. It, you know, honestly, you know, as much as I think this is basically a perfect movie, um, you know, some might argue that it's not um stylized you know it's not directed in any oh, special way it's very it's very direct 
and and it feels like a play. Yeah, it, does. it does. It's not it's not like very stylized. It's very simple, but sometimes that works and that's fine. Um, I think the acting is where we really um, are in the writing is where we get all all of the greatness of this movie. Yeah, the screenplay is, is solid. solid. Um, but be. but part of me kind of wants to. I wish there was maybe another thirty minutes of this movie. And in really you know, part of me does because I think it ends perfectly. But then I do kind of I would love to have seen. Um, almost like a before trilogy, like let's go like, you know, a couple years later and then like, oh, to see where, see they, where are. they are. Yeah. Um, you know, that would have been interesting. I think, um, that's fascinating. Uh, that's, I, I didn't even think of that until you just said that. That would have been, <laughs> this would be called really... before trilogy. This would be called before yeah, Marty. And this is called, yeah, I know. this is Marty. Th- then the second movie would have been Marty and then the th- after Marty, you know, after Marty, <laughs> uh, they were, they weren't thinking franchises back then. No, not as much, but, uh, I, yeah, I think this is a really watching it again. Uh, you know, it's, I think I've seen this movie. This was maybe my second or third time watching it, and it's great. It's it's very relatable for me, and I know it is for Andrew. And and right, um, it's just such a solid, you know, classic movie. Yeah, for a ninety-minute film, it's filled. I think to like two. There's no wasted scenes. No wasted scenes. There's no wasted scenes. There's so much depth in it. The acting is great. Um, it's contemporary. It's also a film that's part of its time, as we as we talked about. Um, yeah, I, it's one of my all time favorites. I think that's why I chose it. Um, and just, I mean, a little bit of background. I mean, the movie was shot on location in in the Bronx, New York, in 1954. Um, the movie was only shot um, was only made in 16 days. Wow. Uh, and it was a, and there was just an additional uh, three days for um, reshoots, and that was it. And they, they they shot it like they I think some scene some scenes were shot in um in a studio, uh, but I'm assuming that the in studio stuff was probably the indoor stuff. Probably, That's what yeah. I assume. Probably a lot of stuff um, with the cousin and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> platforms um yeah i think it's an all-time great film it is it definitely is all right well before we go um and in this episode i do have to throw my pitch out for the next episode oh here we go okay i've been waiting for this so so i think we should go with something that's a little bit more i was thinking something that's you know also very uh you know I guess you could say relevant uh, to today. Okay. Uh, we're going to get a little political next episode, I think, because I want to talk about go. Lahaine, the French film. Wow. We're wow. going to hit hard on the next episode. That's This is going to be a hard-hitting yeah, Vincent Cassell uh, stars in, in this French film called Lahaine, um, and it's about basically uh, one day in the lives of these three young men who are living in kind of the – you could say ghetto of, of French suburbia and, and, uh, uh, there's been like riots, you know, the police with the police and one gun gets taken from a police officer. And I'm not going to say anymore. That's, that's the, nice. that's the movie. So, um, yeah, the, that's the, yeah, this is a, a, a hidden gem of a film yeah. and it's on the criterion collection. So it is. Uh, if you want to check this out before we talk about it next week or not next week, but the week after, um, right. Go check it out. Criterion Channel probably has it. Um, you can either you could probably rent it somewhere, but it is on the Criterion Collection. You can buy it. It's worth the buy. It has one of the sh- most shocking endings of any movie. Um, so there's the build up for that episode. And uh, where can we find you, Andrew? 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Capzilla06, as well as my YouTube channel, Capzilla Productions. And you can find me on Facebook, Stephen Billings, uh, also on Instagram at Cinema Discovery Project, and uh, on Letterboxd at Cinema Discovery. Um, that's going to be it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Go to Podbean or Apple Podcasts to get this episode. And hey, keep on watching them movies. I know I will. <laughs>